Well, good morning, everybody. We are in Romans chapter 6, so if you have your Bible, your smart device, go ahead and open up to Romans chapter 6. We're right in the middle of the chapter, and we're continuing a series called Know the Why, and this morning's message is, Whose Slave Are You? Starting with verse 16, it says, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. And Paul goes on to say in verse 17, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Verse 18, it says, And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms, Paul says, because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. We move on to verse 20. It says, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Verse 22, it says, But now that you have been set free from sin and you've become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So with this mention of slavery that, that Paul brings up, he really gets the attention of the Christians in Rome. And it's estimated at the time that Paul wrote this letter in Rome itself, about one-third of the population were slaves in the Roman Empire. So vast was that slave population that uh, at one time there was a suggestion that the slaves wear a distinctive style of clothing uh, that was abandoned because they were afraid that people would realize how many slaves there were, it would empower them, and maybe cause a revolt. Uh, many free men in Rome during the time Paul wrote this letter, they had at one time even been slaves, and it's highly likely that more than one half of the Roman church that Paul's ministering to through this letter, they were, had either been enslaved or were currently slaves. There, there wasn't a, in other words, there wasn't a member in the church in Rome who was not aware of the implications of what Paul was referring to when he said in verse 16 of chapter 6, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. And so during this time, obedience is really the hallmark of slavery. And listen, it, it's the same today for the various uh, enslavements that people find themselves stuck in. So the first focus that Paul zeroes in on in this letter to the church in Rome is this. Slavery to sin leads to death. It, it, you know, it's possible that you might be sitting next to someone who's a slave, and listen to me, it's possible that the person sitting next to you is sitting next to somebody that is stuck as a slave. I'll explain in a minute. Some people are enslaved to work. 
Some people are enslaved to things, possessions, you know, the attainment uh, of hobbies and things that just occupy most of their time. Others are enslaved to habits that dominate their, their very existence. The examples are limitless to what you and I can be enslaved to today. The ill-tempered are slaves to tempers. The sensual are enslaved to their bodies. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said you cannot serve two masters. He said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. Listen to what he says in John chapter 8, verse 34. He says, I'll tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So we obey the things which enslave us. Uh, let me give you some examples. You may feel the need to dress in a promiscuous manner. That it, in itself is fueled by a need that you have possibly to, to, to be affirmed by others and, and, and be affirmed by what they notice when they look at you. And rather than getting that confidence and that affirmation from Christ, you seek that in how you present yourself to others. And, and you seek it from the eyes of those who look upon you. You've, you've been, in other words, you've, been, you've become a slave to, to man's approval. Uh, not, by the way, may, possibly not even the man of your marriage. But, but the stranger who stares at you, uh, I want you to consider something. This way of living can enslave others too. It can en enslave the onlooker. Your desire for attention can cause another to sin and therefore put them into that place where they're beholding to that sin of adultery or lust. Uh, let me give you another example. Your slavery to sin is enslaving others to sin. Whatever that might be. Now, maybe you feel that you're owed good things. You work hard. Uh, you, you deserve good things, good stuff, toys. Uh, but you're living beyond your means. Uh, what you desire is, is only a signature away. And so you go for all the newest technologies or toys or things that you can fill your life with with hobbies and whatnot, and they're just a signature away. And, and therefore, you become so indebted just with that signature and the use of credit cards. And, and listen, you, my friend, have become a slave to things. But unfortunately, listen to this, you have an admirer, and that admirer lives across the street. And they, they're watching how what seems to be success in a worldly standard they see you with the new cars and the new toys and the new this and the new that, new that. And so that's your admirer. But they don't realize that you're just one paycheck away from bankruptcy. And so they begin to become enslaved with envy and maybe begin to process just as you have to start signing away, buying things on credit one after another, and then they become slaved enslaved to things and so the cycle continues on and on and on and Paul explains here in Romans 
All humanity serves under one or two slaveries, either sin which leads to death or obedience which leads to righteousness. So Paul explains here in Romans that all humanity serves under two slaveries. Listen to this. Either sin which leads to death or you're serving obedience to Christ which, which leads to righteousness. And there's just a huge... Um, majestic, beautiful blessings that come with serving to Christ that I'm going to talk about in just a minute. Those under sin slavery usually boast the loudest that they're the freest, and yet they're under sin slavery. Here's what, here's what uh, John Calvin said almost 400 years ago. He says, the greater mass of vices anyone is buried under, the more fiercely and bombastically does he extol his freedom. To end of the end of such slavery, according to our text, is death, sin, which leads to death. The Apostle Paul, he understood the toil that, that sin causes walking in it, that constant um, living in that zone where you're practicing sin over and over again. And he writes further along in chapter 7 of Romans something very interesting which tells me he can relate to what many are going through. He says in Romans 7.21, he says, I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. Do you ever feel that way? You want to do what's right. You want to serve the Lord. You want to be walking in the Spirit, led by the Spirit of God, and yet you find yourself doing the wrong thing. Paul says that. He says, I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. That's what Paul said. I'm jumping ahead to Romans chapter 7, but I want you to understand that Paul can relate to what we're looking at in chapter 6, obviously, that this idea that we all struggle with, with sin. And he says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from the life that is dominated by sin and death? Well, thank God. Listen, Paul didn't stop right there. Look what he says in verse 25. He says, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. Paul gives us the answer that we have relief through the blood of Jesus Christ. Paul gives us the answer right here, how we can overcome, you and I, overcome the slavery of sin. So he talks about how so many people become enslaved to sin. And it can happen in a lot of different ways. You could start a, a process of walking down a path you know you shouldn't be on, and, and you know you shouldn't be on it, and maybe you, you, stand, you step back, you withdraw from going that direction, and you repent, and you get back on track with your walk with the Lord, but then you find yourself going down that, that ugly path again. And the more you do that, the more you become numb to the wrong of it. And then you can begin to condition your mind and yourself that, that not that it's okay, but it just becomes part of your daily routines. That's how we can become enslaved to sin. But thank God Paul doesn't just stay there and, and land there and stay in that zone of, uh, sin as slavery and meaning death, he talks about a second slavery that 
we ought to enter it, and it's a slavery to Christ. And that's number two. Slavery to Christ leads to freedom. I know using the terminology of slavery probably isn't real popular these days, but this is the language that Paul is using in the text in Romans 6. And I want to be true to the text, so I'm not going to change the verbiage. Paul calls it obedience, which leads to righteousness. And it's ultimate justification, which is eternal life. And instead of bondage, this slavery brings freedom. You know, I was watching a a, uh, kind of a documentary about border collies, and it was about dogs, but what really caught my interest was uh, the story of the border collie and the sheep herder and how this collie was so attentive to not only his master who had this whistle and all these commands, the dog knew the commands, was completely obedient, completely faithful, but the dog was also attentive to the sheep. And and one sheep would get out of the herd and he'd go and nip at it and get it back in. And this dog had complete control over the sheep and you could see the dog almost in, in glory in its purpose, thriving in its purpose. But at the same time, you could see his master in glory, seeing that his faithful dog was doing exactly what he should be doing. It was, it was an amazing thing to see that. And, and something happens when we're obedient to God, we begin to step into God's purpose, and we begin to thrive in that purpose through obedience. And when we're in that zone, when we're in that sphere of life, walking in the Spirit with, with a goal to be obedient to God, then, then God opens up a huge door for us to walk in strength and power over sin. It doesn't mean that we stop sinning. It doesn't mean that we don't struggle with the temptation of sin, but God gives us the tools to embrace and, and listen, the truth to embrace that we have power over sin. And this is why we obey God. So we have before us two slaveries here that Paul presents, one to sin or one to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's there's no middle ground in this. There's no middle ground. So the key is a life that is completely obedient to God. Look what Paul says of the Christians in Rome. To the people he's writing to, he says in verse 17 of Romans 6, he says, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. So Paul's saying, look, I commend you. You're doing a great job. You used to be a slave to sin, but now you're a slave to Jesus, and you're committed to the things that that Christ taught, to the things that the apostles taught you. You're committed to that. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. So he's using the vernacular of of slave. And a slave implies there's no choice in the matter, and, and yet we see the blessing that comes when someone is walking with the Lord, and they become a slave to Christ. And you don't entertain the idea of jumping into the temptation of sin that comes your way. You understand that you have power over that through Christ Jesus. And so this is the example of slavery Paul holds up for us all. It's heartfelt obedience to Christ and His Word. It, it, It 
is obedience which brings forth liberation, makes you free. Uh, the church in Rome, their obedience was to Christ, and consequently, they could no longer be slaves to sin. That's why when you're walking with the Lord and you're growing spiritually, and, and all of a sudden you might get confronted by others who want to entertain sin. They want you to join them, and you just hold your hands up and say, I don't do that. I can't. I'm not. You know, I don't need to do that anymore to, to fulfill my life, to bring happiness or co uh, contentment. God's given me everything I need to experience peace and joy right here where I'm at. So now we see uh, that there is a call that Paul uh, directs us to. It's the call to obedient slavery. I know that the wording sounds a little awkward, but this is what Paul says. He says there's a call to obedient slavery. And with this uh, slavery principle explained by Paul, uh, he gives us that example and he extends it to an outright call for us to walk in obedience. And it's a powerful call to commitment. It's a call to slavery, a call to total obligation, total commitment, total accountability to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, listen, obedience is not a word that's popular today. It's something that uh, that our culture just doesn't like. I love what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. You know who Dietrich Bonhoeffer is? He was a pastor during World War II in Nazi Germany, and God used him in a powerful way. And listen, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was considered a very rebellious guy in his time because most of the church in Germany folded and accepted uh, what Hitler did. They just bent. They, every rule that, and every mandate that he uh, mandated, they complied to it. They were complicit. But Dietrich Bonhoeffer was different. He knew that Adolf Hitler was a dictator, that he was evil, and, and, and Bonhoeffer uh, planned an assassination. He was part of an assassination attempt on Hitler. And you might think, whoa, I, he's a pastor, he's a Christian, he shouldn't have done that. Well, listen... Uh, it's interesting that at the time, a lot of pastors in churches looked down on Bonhoeffer. Those, pa those pastors in churches that were silent during the Holocaust, and now, years and years later, Bonhoeffer's theology and his philosophy of being a Christian, those things are being taught in all our seminaries. He's looked at now as a hero, but during the time, he was not willing to comply to the mandates that, that Hitler uh, prescribed to the nation of Germany. Here's what Bonhoeffer said. And I think his words, even though they were spoken many, many years ago, they are very appropriate for today. He says, cheap grace, the grace which amounts to justification of sin without justification of the repentant sinner who departs from sin and from who it will depart. Cheap grace is not the kind of forgiveness of sin which frees us from the toils of sin. Cheap grace is the grace we bestow on ourselves. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate 
Such grace, Bonhoeffer says, is costly because it calls us to follow, and it is grace because it's, it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It is costly because it costs a man his life, and it is grace because it gives a man the only true life. Paul calls us to obedience to Christ, which is profound slavery. Listen, he's presented us with two slaveries this morning. One which leads to death. It's that continual practice of sin. It's that lack of being or desiring to be obedient to Jesus Christ. And one which leads to righteousness, which is eternal life. And ultimately, we are either of one slavery or the other. You know, I told you an illustration about the border collie and how obedient and faithful that dog was to his master and, and, and on every command. It reminds me of my dog, but in a different light. My dog's name is Dex. And I periodically take Dex outside when I'm working out in the front yard. And sometimes I, uh, at least I used to not have him on a leash until recently. You see, Dex would see somebody and he's the kind of dog that would, he thinks everything is about him. And so if somebody's driving down the street, he goes barreling off after them, chasing their car. Or if they're on a bike or they're walking, he runs after them because he thinks they're there to see him. And some people, he's a big dog, he's 94 pounds, and so some people are a little intimidated by him. And so I found myself calling him back, but he doesn't listen. He's just, hey, they're here and I'm happy and I think they're, they showed up on the street to come and pet me. Well, upon me calling him back, he just doesn't listen. And so Dex, who used to run free as I'm working in the yard, now has to be leashed, you see. He's still a dog, and he still enjoys uh, hanging around with me. I'm the pack leader, but he's lost some freedoms. I wonder how many Christians, I wonder how many of you listening to this message, you love Jesus, but because you've had have, you've have difficulty in this subject matter that we're talking about, maybe you've been enslaved to sin, and, and so you've lost some freedoms because of that. You love the Lord, you know you're going to heaven, but like my dog Dex, you're not experiencing the freedom, the true full freedom that uh, God intended for you, and so you've been leashed somewhat. Speaking in spiritual terms right now, I want you to understand that God has given us the ability to be a receiver of His blessings as we are obedient to him the benefits of obedient slavery to christ listen to this our past slavery brought only shame and death but our enslavement to god that means total faithfulness and obedience the desire for that to walk in that brings freedom it it sanctifies us it makes us holy and we see the, the evidence of that in our life each and every day when God dispenses His peace and joy to us. But we, but we also realize that we have eternal life. And so the difficult things that we sometimes get entangled with here on earth, 
they really don't mean much because in the larger light of things, we know we have eternal life. And so it puts things in perspective when we're obedient to God. Romans 6, 22 through 23, and we're going to end uh, chapter 6 right now. Paul says in verse 22, he says, but now that you've been set free from sin, listen to this. Paul is writing this letter to the church in Rome, but these words, they're for you right now. I want you to listen. He says, but now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. That's the great news. That's the fantastic news. For the wages of sin is death, but the, th- the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is abiding truth. Uh, it's liberating truth. It's eternal life. Here's what uh, God told Samuel in 1 Samuel 15.22. He says, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as as obeying the voice of the Lord? It's a question. To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. And what God was saying to Samuel is obedience is everything. It's more than what you do traditionally or ceremonially. It's an obedient heart that desires to serve the Lord and receive the blessings that he has for your life, the purpose he has for your life, to set you free. Don't get entangled in the things that you know don't glorify God. Don't get entangled in those. Don't be lied about the. you think you need that. God has a better plan and purpose for your life. And my desire is that you can experience that. Now, I want to give you an opportunity right now Maybe you've been entangled in things that you know are wrong, and you love the Lord, but you've been entangled in things that you know are wrong, and it's pulled you down, and, and, and you have to be set free from that. You want to be set free from that, and I want to help you with that right now. Would you bow your head wherever you're at? I'd like you to pray with me and, and pray this prayer, because I believe God's going to do something in your life this morning, and He's going to give you freedom from some of the bondage that you've been living under and enslaved to. Pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I come before you as a believer. I love you. I believe you. But Lord, I need victory over this sin. And you might want to name the sin or you can be thinking about what that is. But Jesus, I I need your victory over this area of my life. And Lord, I believe with all my heart, and I have faith that you've broken the power of sin in my life. And so I repent of that sin, and Lord, today I'm going to follow you. Today I'm going to be obedient to you. Today I'm going to walk in obedience and be a slave unto you, God. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Well, listen, if you prayed that prayer, I believe God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still does miracles. And if you prayed that prayer, I believe that God broke the bondage of whatever sin, whatever sin you're enslaved to, He broke that. He severed that. And you can walk freely in Christ right now. And so I congratulate you if you prayed that prayer. Hey, if you did pray to give your heart to Christ this morning and go deeper with Him, you made some kind of commitment with the Lord, would you text the word pray to the number you see on the screen right now? I want to help you 
encourage you if you text the word pray that'll start a process that we can start communicating and i want to help you in your spiritual journey god bless you thank you for joining us don't go anywhere we're going to worship the lord and then i'll see you next time